is Donna Peters back for season four of the award-winning Me Sweet podcast. Here we continue to shine a mic on career-driven, life-minded professionals, sharing our wins and our warts as we cultivate the role we want work to play in our lives. Putting work to work for us, as I like to say, let's get in there. On this episode of The Me Suite, I am having an opportunity to reconnect with a longtime friend and excelling business leader, Tina Beaumont. And I can't make the entire episode about Tina's accolades. So I'm going to cherry pick a few just so you can understand a little bit about who we have here today to learn from. Tina is a business transformation leader. She has worked across uh, the C-suite, across a variety of different transformation programs. She serves as the executive sponsor of the Women's ERG for her company. That's the Employee Resource Group, ERG. She is the advisor to the North America Asian Pacific ERG. And in 2019, she won the Philadelphia Business Journal Award for Minority Business Leader. And also serves as the inclusion and diversity lead for the Philadelphia office where she works. So you're seeing a theme here. You're seeing a theme of someone excelling at the most senior levels of business leadership. And you are seeing someone who has dedicated her attention to equality for all. And I am thrilled to have a chance to get into the head of Tina And I'm going to start saying that there's so much, Tina, that I never learned about you when we were working together. And I apologize for that because I was all about work and not enough about the human. So I really appreciate you joining us here today. Tina Beaumont, welcome to the Me Suite. Awesome, Donna. I'm thrilled and excited. Um, I also feel like I need to put you in my pocket so that way I can have a repeat on any of those bad days. When you're having a bad day, you just want to hear like that intro. Maybe with like a music track in the back, but thank you for that. Thrilled to be here. So Tina, you know that I start with core values. Can you share those with me and the listener and how they have driven key decisions you've made? Absolutely. Um, So as I prepared for for our chit chat and catch up today, Donna, I I did have a couple of core values that I'd love to share Mm -hmm. with your listeners. And um, and there was a common theme. I I heard a couple of folks also mention it, but I believe in it so much. Um, But one of the core values that I live by is authenticity. And it's taken time, you know, decades in in our career, but to be authentic and to have no Uh apologies for who you are. And if you're, um, and don't let anyone define you with assumptions, but so examples, I'm, I'm a jokester. I love to have a little bit of fun. Uh, But I also recognize that sometimes I could mm, be emotive mm. at work because I care so much. And to me, authenticity is about accepting that and being okay and, and don't you know be hard on yourself for that. So so that's one. Two, this this need to listen and collaborate mm. with others. Always have a point of view, but be okay with being wrong and accepting if you're wrong and being fast to say, you know what, I love your perspective and it's right. And what I was going in maybe needs to be adapted. And having those diverse perspectives, I think, is absolutely mm-hmm. crucial. And then the third one I would say is continue to be challenged. And if you're comfortable, then you're not being challenged and you're not growing. Personally, I find valuable is reinventing, reinventing the way you think about things, the way you do work, uh, the way you operate. So 
those are, would be my three yeah. core values. Yeah, I love you giving them so much thought. So I was thinking that we could orient your discussion around leaders that have had the greatest impact in your career and how that shaped how you now are as a leader to other people. So I guess maybe what would be helpful is if I were to use words to describe my Ooh, leadership nice. style. Okay. So, so I'll start with that and then I'll describe some of the, the leaders that have made the most difference in my mm-hmm. specific career. Um, but if anyone were to describe it, I think I'm, I'm practical and a realistic uh, driver. Some may consider me to approach things in a very business-like mm. way. But I'm also... I love to have fun. I, I believe that we spend so much time at work that we should spend the time to goof off and ask how things mm-hmm. went and laugh at each other, even if it's a client, because <laughs> uh, we're all human beings. I'm a fixer. I love okay. problem solving. I, I love the gray and trying to figure it out, which probably lends itself to the transformation agenda that I'm, I'm right. known for at times. And I'm collaborative, as I mentioned earlier. So when I think about the leaders in my career, um, or leaders that I, you know, through my my history that have made the most impact in my career, my my mm. mom and dad, and the reasons why is because both my parents, you wouldn't know by the name Tina Beaumont. So when you announce mm-hmm. me, and then obviously your leaders won't be able to to see, but my birth name is T Huang Nguyen. Uh, I'm Vietnamese. Um, my parents were refugees from mm. the Vietnam War. They came over in 75. And the the amount of hard work and effort and dedication that they put in at a time when the war wasn't viewed positively, mm. uh, where English wasn't a language that they even knew much of at all, mm. when they had no money or, or financial stability, just the amount of hard work that I witnessed. My dad, he he taught me what hard work meant. But he also taught me how to balance. My mom is a goofball. Like she laughs, laughs at herself. If you were to think about social norms and what you should wear and not wear leaving the house, my mom would be the complete opposite. Like she, she just doesn't care. And there's a refreshing, there's a just a refreshing perspective mm-hmm. there where she just, you, you just want to adopt and be like, you know what? I, I don't care either. Yeah. Um, so definitely my mom and my dad. Yeah. The others, I, I would say, were, are my friends, mm-hmm. like my girlfriends I grew up with, um, because each of them, I have the utmost respect and admiration, but in different ways. So I took a, a very much corporate career. I have a girlfriend that that decided to make the decision to stay at home and has the most incredible kids and just so much love in their household. Mm-hmm. I have another girlfriend who left a six-figure salary to go back and answer a call to become a doctor. Oh wow! You know, and and she just finished her residency and is now an ER doctor. So mm-hmm. there's just so much that I reflect on, and and when I think of leaders, leaders are not just you know people that you're at work that is a senior senior executive. It's the people that influence you, like your mom and dad, but also mm-hmm. your circle of friends, yeah, uh, and the influence they had. So. I love this definition of leadership. It has nothing to do with hierarchy on an org chart. Yeah. What is your mother's name? Hung. Hung. I want to be more like her. Yeah. I think she sounds awesome. So based on how those other people have influenced you as a leader in your leadership style, are there different ways that you were showing up during the pandemic or ways that your leadership style was being tested, stretched? 
The biggest takeaway on my leadership style during the pandemic was to be more thoughtful and empathetic of everybody's situation mm. because everyone had to adapt differently. Yeah, I have someone that I work closely with who has two very young children and like under the age of five. And his wife also works incredibly hard for another consultancy. And you could see the amount of pressure that mm-hmm. he was under. So to me, it was was having an understanding and empathy for others and not making it harder mm-hmm. for them. To a point where I literally had to sit down various members of my team and just say, you need to block out time because you need to focus on your your family. Because, because if you don't help them make that decision for them, mm. there's almost a sense of guilt and accountability and say, I need to work from this time to this time. And it's the reality is you may not be able to. Yeah, And as leaders, I think it's important that we're understanding of what everyone's situation is and we're helping them make the right decision for themselves, um, their family, as well as their career. Mm-hmm. It's like a leaders need to give people the space. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I love the way you say that if, if you're not giving them the space, then they take it on as a guilt. That's very powerful. So you also mentioned that you like to have fun and you like to laugh. That resonates with me. At the same time, you mentioned, though, that you can come across more like in the business way, more business and just serious. Have you evolved that also during the pandemic where maybe you're showing up differently to ask people how they're doing or you are uh, even becoming yourself less business driven and less buttoned up? How is that evolving? I think it depends on the situation because I, I, if you go into, if, if the goal is to talk to your team and create a sense of community and see how they're doing, approaching it with a tone of, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Doesn't help, right? Like it's, it's, um, but if you, if you're going into it um, with, with that empathy and understanding with the right tone and, and just being yourself, I think folks connect much more with that. Um, but at the same time, in the virtual world, you still have to get work done. Mm. So my business driver side comes out when we're trying to get work done. When mm. there's uh, you have a big meeting, it's with a client. Um, I'm not going to start with jokes because in a virtual setting, you also don't have the human connection in person. Mm. So you have many less chances or moments to to create credibility to have them feel assured that you're driving the outcome. So to me, I, I think it's dependent on the situation. Mm-hmm. What is the last thing you laughed about at work? I, <laughs> it, it's with a colleague of mine um, in the supply chain group, but it was more because he, it was yesterday. He, he joined a call that we had to prep for another client meeting. And you can just tell he was frazzled. Yeah. Like frazzled. <laughs> and <laughs> I could tell something. He wasn't just, he wasn't himself. So then I started probing more. And I was like, you doing okay? And he's Uh like, I had to travel and I'm not used to traveling. And (laughs) I was late for these C-level meetings and blah, blah, blah. And I just sit there and I'm like, um, I made some kind of joke about it, but he literally just looks at me and he's like, you little, you little jerk. (laughs) (laughs) And it was all for fun. And I just, I couldn't stop laughing at him in a very friendly, kind hearted way. Um, But it was one of those moments where I, I, you could just tell he wasn't having a good day and yeah, I, I was just cracking jokes at his expense, but he he knows my attitude or my personality yeah. enough that it just hopefully helped to make 
and feel better. There's a lot of funny things to laugh about, though, as we're getting back on the road and we've lost our travel expertise. We're all becoming that guy. Oh, my God. You know, that guy in the security line that holds everybody up because he didn't know to take his computer out of the bag. Absolutely. We're all becoming that guy because we've lost our touch. Yes. Yes. We forgot how to pack. We're we're a bunch of nerds now. Um, I forgot toothpaste. Once, yeah. And I was like, how, how do you forget toothpaste? But yes. Yeah. Yeah. The toothpaste, the uh, have the ticket ready for scanning, the water bottle in the bag. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've done all kinds of things. I walked halfway down the airport last month with my fly unzipped. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it just things that would, yeah. I mean, it just, it's just bad. Rookie, rookie, yeah. rookie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I feel like fly unzipped is like a different bar though. Like that. <laughs> So that's not rookie at all. That's not a good excuse. (laughs) (laughs) It really resonated with me when you said you love the gray. Say more about loving the gray and how do you help other people love the gray? I feel like the gray allows for space to come up with ideas and creative problem solving. Mm -hmm. So if it was a very clear cut answer of if this happens, you take steps one, two, three, four, and five. I, I find me personally... I find it very boring. Mm. Uh, and I've noticed that throughout my career too. If I, if I was in a place for way too long or doing the same thing and it was very repetitive, um, it just didn't inspire my, my mind as much. Mm-hmm. So my enjoyment of the gray is because you know when clients reach out to us, they're looking for very hard problems to solve. Mm-hmm. And the, the company that I work with, they, they have a lot of capabilities, assets, really strong talent at their disposal. and what I love doing is just understanding, okay, well, what's the problem? Because it's going to be a hairy problem. They're mm-hmm. not going to bring us in if it wasn't. And then uh, stitching and figuring out, well, what makes most sense uh, mm-hmm. for them? So, and, and knowing that it may be wrong. Like there's been many mm-hmm. times where we would approach something and it wasn't really feeling right, but then saying, you know, let's, let's pivot and go another direction and see how it goes. So I, I love that portion of creative problem solving mm-hmm. and, and working with others too creatively solve that problem. Yeah. It also sounds like you create a space where people can be comfortable in the gray. Not everybody's comfortable in the gray, right? But if if you're trying to promote this diversity of thought and equality for all, you probably just naturally in your DNA are nurturing an environment where people get more comfortable in the gray. I suspect that that's a special skill you have. Yeah. I, I never thought about it like that. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that, that insight, Dot. And, and when I say collaborate, I don't, the intent isn't to bring everybody involved to say, okay, you must be a great thinker. Like there's going to be yeah. experts that just love their little space, right? Mm-hmm. But it's pulling out from them what, uh, and understanding where their strengths are and then pulling out from them what contributions or how to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Tina, you are giving so much of yourself as a leader in this diversity, equity, and inclusion space as the executive sponsor of the Women's ERG the advisor to the North American Asian Pacific ERG. I mentioned earlier the Minority Business Leader Award that you had won. What is your perspective on diversity, equity, and inclusion, not just as a leader of people, but also you as Asian Pacific woman in a career? Great question, Donna. I am... Um... It's interesting. DEI is is such an incredibly complex topic, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll never pretend to understand and know how everyone's 
life experiences or, or pretend to be in their shoes because mm-hmm. we, we aren't living in their shoes. But what I always try to do is have empathy and seek to learn and understand, which you would think like as a diverse female Asian American leader that I would have, you could have an assumption that, oh, she should know because she's, you know, a diverse talent. Mm-hmm. But I don't, especially different, you know, black women, African leaders or Latina leaders. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's just to all of us grow up so differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I myself had had really struggled to not only have empathy and trying to understand everyone else's situation, but I really struggled for me personally, especially when the whole anti-Asian sentiment mm. came out. Mm. Donna, you were one of a handful of people that reached out to say that you were thinking of me during that time. Oh. And it meant a lot, mm. uh, to, to be fully honest with you. But it's it was a very tough situation to be in. Um, I, I remember having... Uh, I was going to this really awesome farmer's market 10 minutes down the road. And, and my husband went in to get this uh, there's a little mini hot dogs from like the Amish store with like mm-hmm. pretzels wrapped around them because obviously everything revolves around food for me. Sounds so delicious. He's in there. It's, it was delicious. It was very <laughs> yummy. Um, and and I was waiting for him. And I just I remember looking over and there was a guy that I saw from across the parking lot. And he just he had these really angry eyes at me, like mm. just hostile. And I just I didn't understand it. And he just walks right over mm. to my window and he's just like, "You go back to where you came from." And I'm thinking, I'm like, well, I was born here. Um, I don't know where I would go. Uh, and it was just, it was so different. And then when the whole anti-Asian sentiment came out, it just, it brought it home more because usually I compartmentalize events like that mm-hmm. and then pretend it doesn't exist. But it's now things that you start thinking about are, as a leader, you should address things like this and you should mm-hmm. talk about it openly and you should try to help others. And then my company to help have more understanding and empathy. My, my company started scheduling these building bridges sessions mm-hmm. to be able to hear stories from other leaders from different backgrounds. And just to hear their life experiences was so eye-opening for me as well, because you, these are topics that you don't naturally talk about in, in the, the office setting. Mm-hmm. So my perspective when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion topics is to always have empathy. Uh, to seek to learn and understand. And once you do learn and understand, you can't unlearn it. Uh, mm-hmm. And take steps and be, you know, think of how best to support others and maybe be more aware in your your individual meetings and your day-to-day and and observe your team and and um your diverse talent. Just make sure you're you're paying attention to how uh, others are are reacting. So so yeah, that's my mm-hmm. perspective uh, when it comes to DEI. Yeah, thank you for sharing that story. It's I'm learning from the challenge that you just gave us and I appreciate you being vulnerable about your experience. So thank you for that. Of course. So did you have a chance to give some thought to the aspirational but practical advice that we would give listeners for how to lead our lives with a me-sweet mindset? So my practical advice, and I, I live by it, is being grateful and having that. Uh-huh. It's again somewhat cheesy. Folks may already know this, but mm-hmm. this attitude of gratitude concept. Mm-hmm. Because I, I find that no matter how hard your day is, or how you know sad you might be, mm-hmm. the moment you start thinking about how grateful you are for something as simple as a sunny day, or I'm grateful for the fact that my parents were able to get on one of the 
last boats mm. before they left because when they came here and went through their hardships, um, I am now able to be in the situation I am because of them. I'm grateful for that mm-hmm. um, because I, I have gone back to Vietnam and and met other individuals my age and their family stories are they weren't able to get out. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's just, it's a very different situation. And I, I feel grateful is the right word. Lucky could be another one. Mm-hmm. But it's a quality of just being thankful and and ready to show appreciation for and, and return kindness to to someone else. So I'm just, yeah. So to me, it's it's being grateful. Yeah, I love it. I I want to say that I also have so much admiration for all that you achieved in your career with these amazing accolades that I mentioned before and these leadership positions that you have taken on with awesome responsibility. I just congratulate you on that amazing achievement. I imagine your parents are so incredibly proud of you. What's so funny, funny story. Um, and for those that have Asian parents or maybe parents that aren't used to corporate <laughs> America, um, when I was promoted to managing director, mm-hmm. I went home and I was like, mom, dad, you know, I got promoted to managing director. <laughs> and my mom just goes like, you will direct managers. Like, congratulations. Like, she had no <laughs> idea what it meant. I love her even more now. <laughs> no, like she, she was like, T, you are, you know, managing managers. Like it was, it was so funny. Um, but when, when we, when I received the Philadelphia Minority Business Leader Award, it was in, in the city, mm. uh, in the city of Philadelphia. And it was a big event. And she saw me on stage and, and my company had sponsored a table and her and my dad were there. It was uh-huh. the first time they, they kind of saw a recognition of some sort. Right. And my family, we are not a emotional bunch. Uh, I am, but they aren't like, you know, we never gave hugs growing up. You don't say I love you. You just, it's it's not the culture. It's not a bad thing. It's just not the culture. Yeah. And my mom wouldn't stop hugging me. Like it was so (laughs) sweet. And I think that was when, um, she realized and my dad realized, Mm -hmm. uh, and they were very proud. And Uh I was, um, it was a really nice moment. I bet. Yeah, that's beautiful. I wish that I had been there. I'm sorry that I missed it. So you have encouraged me and the listeners to have an attitude of gratitude. And I'm going to start with that I am grateful that you have come onto the Me Suite and you have shared a little bit of yourself with us here so that we can learn and grow. And this is Tina Beaumont, everybody. Thank you, Donna. Thank you for spending time in the Me Suite. If you have ideas for topics you'd like discussed this season, contact me at themesuite.com or on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. And remember, five-star ratings and reviews keep us alive out here. They really do make a difference.